This podcast is sponsored by the American Society for Information Science and Technology. Since 1937, ACIST has been the Society for Information Professionals, leading the search for new and better theories, techniques, and technologies to improve access to information. By the IA Summit. This year, your peers and industry experts spoke about how topics such as social networking, gaming, patterns, tagging, taxonomies, and a wide range of IA tools and techniques help users experience information. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For more events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. How accessible is a sighted person's experience of using a website? Would you rather design user experiences than pages and sitemaps? In this presentation, Claude Steinberg argues that you'll have a better grasp of user experience when you can translate it into something even a blind person would recognize. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers! Well, if you saw a title like this, Behind Nutrition, How the Healthy Eating Movement Ignores Freeze-Dried Food for Astronauts, your first question might be, well, they should be healthy, but should that really be a focus for nutritionists? And is this even the right talk? Maybe I should be in a different room. It's not actually, it's a different talk, but you might have the same question. Uh, why should accessibility people be concerned about sensory experience? Um, aren't they supposed to be just uh, giving access to, to blind people and people with disabilities? And uh, you might say, you know, what, is, what does an IA need to know if, if maybe if I'm working on federal contracts and I'm concerned about Section 508, um, maybe I need to know a little bit about accessibility, but why do I really need to know about this? Well, let's think about what people don't get from a traditional information site. Um, if you have a, a site and it gives you a bunch of features and it's selling a product, you really don't get a sense of the product just from the specs. Uh, now, this is a site that went through several iterations, the Sony Ericsson phone site. Um, and I think Media Catalyst uh, was responsible for this, and, it, and it, they, they went through it over and over, and they found the perfect faceted browse for the site. If you want a music phone um, if you, uh, that plays videos or takes pictures, um, you, can, you can pick all of the things that you want and find the perfect phone for you. It was great. Uh, the problem was when they took the same interface and translated it into Chinese, it wasn't so much a cultural thing with the language, it was that Chinese people, they want to demo. They want to interact with the phone. They want to see a virtual phone and try it out. They don't want the faceted browse. Um, similarly, you can have a, a multimedia. You can have a video presentation. Um, but that's not going to necessarily lead to learning or lead to interaction or involvement. Um, here's the Camtasia Studio site. Uh, I went to this to figure out how to use Camtasia Studio. And they had these wonderful videos, and I played them. And afterwards, I was like, uh, all right, what button do I press first? I didn't learn anything, even though it was uh, multimedia. So how is interactive multimedia learning different? Um, don't, don't, don't we always learn something from a site? OK, well, there's a, a traditional uh, site that we mostly work on might be a get answers kind of site. And pe basically, what it has to do with is users have expectations for what they're going to get. And you have and you're trying to satisfy those expectations. By contrast, there's a learning paradigm where the user doesn't know what they're looking for. They know they're interested in something, but it may be something totally new to them. And you're teaching them something. 
So it basically has to do with the kind of expectations they have. Now don't take notes on this slide because you're not going to learn anything from it. You're going to learn if we practice and I get you involved. Um, so if a user has a question, what should, what, uh, why should you wear a suit? Um, how many people think that this is a get answers type of site? Okay, and how many think it's a rich learning type of site? And how many don't know? Well, that's, okay, okay. People thought it was rich learning. You're right. If it's a site where, uh, say, the manufacturer is selling some suits, uh, you'd, you'd expect that they wouldn't be telling you why you should wear a suit because you'd be coming there already to buy a suit. But they, they might have some stuff on there that you didn't know about. Um, people who thought it was get answer site, you might be right too. If the site was uh, you know, a, a consultant telling you how to dress for success, you'd be coming there to know why do I need to wear a suit. So it depends on the user's expectation. Similarly, when should you take the train? Um, you might be surprised to go to a site where the airline is telling you, you know, don't take the plane, take the train, because the American is having a lot of problems now. So that's rich learning. Get answers is you, you're going to the city and um, you want to know, well, when is there least, least congestion? When can I get a, a train and I don't have to wait? Um, and that's what you, where you'd expect to find that information. So that's get answers. Now, am I talking about video games when I'm talking about this interactive multimedia learning? Um, well, video games, uh, it's a little bit different. Video games, there's a lot of manipulation uh, between you know, hand-eye coordination and whatever happens with, with what you're doing is, uh, is meaningful for the video game. With uh, interactive multimedia learning, it's more perceiving relationships between visual and text elements. Um, in video games, you should always, the meaning should be discernible. You should be able to see the villains at the corner of the screen and who, who shot you. Um, with um, multimedia learning, the meaning should be discoverable, not necessarily discernible. You can figure it out eventually, but you don't see it right, right away. Um, with traditional video games, uh, you have more contingent and deterministic outcomes. Um, what you do in one part of the game affects what's going to happen at the end and whether you win or lose. Uh, you have more modules in, in uh, multimedia learning. You're, uh, you, know, you do one little exercise and it may not affect the, the exercise that comes later. So traditional video games, they reinforce correct behavior. Interactive multimedia learning invites involvement through problem solving. That's a slight difference. Uh, you may be confused at this point. You may be saying to yourself, I thought this was supposed to be about blind people. What in the world does this have to do with anything? Um, that you're thinking, you're thinking from a usability perspective. Usability perspective, if it's not arranged properly, it's very frustrating. From a user experience perspective, um, this can be uh, a great thing because you're going to be trying to reconcile these incongruities, figure out what it is uh, that you're that you are actually learning from this. Um, so why should you even care about multimedia, interact multimedia learning? Okay, there. What happens is that there's been some research on kids. If you actually have them draw good behaviors, play good behaviors, I'm going to go get the water, I'm going to be nice to my friend, they actually learn to, um, to keep these ideas in emotionally as part of them, I guess, is a way to say it. Um, they, they rehearse them, and then they, 
they, they start to believe that that's what they should do. We're doing this now with uh, a website for teens on uh, drugs and alcohol and trying to have them direct avatars to uh, do good behaviors and not bad behaviors so that they can, uh, young teens can learn uh, what it's like to, to do something the right way and actually learn from it. Um, so why not interact just with other people? Uh, well, with the manipulatives, the, the objects, uh, can sometimes give them better feedback, and a, and a computer apparently aids in concentration more than the, the paper versions. Um, and it also apparently works uh, with adults as well. Um, but thing is, in order for it to work, you have to have a clear representation of, of the materials that, that you're manipulating. And this is actually more important than it sounds. So uh, that's something you might actually want to take a note on if you're taking notes, and you'll see why. Um, OK, so this multimedia learning is actually coming to websites now more than uh, you might think. Uh, it used to be you had to go to pilot school or in the military or buy a video game, and you weren't quite sure if it was really representative of uh, this sort of thing. Um, now. You can practice on your own. This is an actual website. And you do. And you can try something a little bit harder here. Yeah. And you can keep trying, and you really try turning it to the, turning it down, 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 and then around, around, around real fast, and it still doesn't work. So, you know, if I'm the sort of person that, that takes online courses, free online courses on how to fly, it's going to be drilled into my psyche that I have to go out in high winds or someone's going to wrestle the plane away from me, turn it around and send me to Guantanamo. So you, you learn from something like this. Marketers are also using it now. Here's a Hyundai site where you get to practice being a materials, vehicle materials engineer. You get to choose uh, various uh, objects and uh, put them together to see whether you can design a safe vehicle. And if you're a good engineer, you realize that you're very much like the Hyundai people. They ask you to send them their resume, your resume, and uh, uh, thinkaboutit.com. Now, if you're, if you're not quite as adept as an engineer, a materials engineer, you might put something together like this. And And then you look for the drop me, which isn't as obvious. And you get a message, ouch, hope you drive a Hyundai, which suggests that you, know, you may really need more than the other guy. You really need this vehicle because of what kind of engineer you are. But it's still the perfect vehicle for you. So you get it a visceral reaction. Oh, I better, I better go out and buy a Hyundai. At least that's the idea. Now with uh, Nike. Uh, you have a, a site where the, the 
shoes are supposed to be like barefoot and the website is supposed to be like running in the shoes and you have a moving navigation menu that sort of runs around like this. Um, now you might be saying, well, I just do static pages and uh, I don't do anything with animation. Um, I, don't, I don't do anything that fancy. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen this page. This is a visualization of uh, the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict and um, this can, it's a, it's a way of getting people involved through the graphics. Uh, you have blood bullets representing the proportion of personal blog entries about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict to the news stories from that particular date. And, you can, and then you can look at the blogs and see what people experienced in the crisis. And uh, you also have, uh, everything is presented circularly because it's a never-ending conflict and it's kind of depressing that way, but it's kind of emotionally involving. Um, you may be saying, oh, I don't do anything like that. I just do basic information, really. Okay, well, here's, you're, you're actually, you're teaching people things that you don't realize whether you intend to or not. People are always learning something from your site. Here's a, a, a bus schedule. People may be wondering, well, are the dark trains the main trains? Oh, there's a lot, there's a lot more happening up here um, than, I, than at some of the stations. Some of the C and A Street station doesn't look like it's a very interesting station. I think I'm gonna go to one of these with a lot more happening. Some of them even have capital letters. Those must be major destinations. I think I'm gonna go there and skip the other places. Wow, it starts out westbound, so I guess eastbound is kind of like where, where people go home. I don't think I'm going to go eastbound. This is, this is like the main place. And all these foreign language people, they probably go westbound in the morning, and I, pro I probably don't need to go eastbound. I mean, this is, you're, you're creating a, an, an experience where people are having an emotional response to what supposedly is a, a pure information site. So it's happening all the time, and it, it's just happening more and more. And the problem is uh, these graphic relations are crucial to these multimedia experiences and they're rendered very badly with traditional accessibility tools. Um, you know, a simple icon is accessible. Relations among words and grammatical structures are somewhat accessible. But relations within a graphic, relations between graphics on a page are the most important for this kind of work and they're the least amenable to a screen reader. So, um, what is it like to have an accessible flash site if you're a kid or if you're even an adult for that matter? Um, let's listen to what one sounds like. Uh, can we get louder? Okay, well, here's, here's a blind person talking about the site. Do you get a sense of what, what either might be exciting about playing this game or what the, um, the game makers want you to think is fun or exciting about playing this game? I'm not really getting much of an idea except for that I'm going to be answering questions and that I'm doing something I'm answering questions about the Okay, and here, here's a crossword. It, it reads you, it reads you each of the clues. And then once you type something in, 
It, and if you jump down to down, it will read you letter one is T, letter four is C. So you'll know that there's something in the down, that something's already been filled in. You can see the T and the C and the A and the down are being filled in. If you jump down, it'll read those to you. I don't know whether they are going to get the same positive visual feedback that a sighted kid would get as you can, because the kid can see the sort of basic puzzle being filled in, you know, visually. They can see that they're making progress. Right. Whereas for me, like my initial reaction to this would be like, okay, so I'm filling in all these edit boxes, but I'm not getting a really good overall picture. Mm -hmm. So what would make it potentially fun would be if I was getting some sound feedback. Okay, you might think, okay, this is only an issue for like these uh, multimedia sites, uh, games for kids. All right, let's just take a, a boring old uh, federal website. Changes to level two. I doubt it because I don't know what the level one means. Level one means. I mean, what does, that, what does that say? What does it say? Just open or close categories. Like, if I guess if you don't want that category, you can skip over it. I don't really know what that means. Okay. I have a checkbox if you wanted everything in benefits, but if you wanted to find out more about benefits, yeah, or it, you know, down, for you more info, you could click on more info. It could say, right. you know, if you want benefits, check. But then it could say in parentheses, you know, or it could say more details link. Uh -huh. And then you could go and get all the subcategories. See, okay. she had no idea. I mean, that's the only way I can think of. She had no idea that there was uh, these other subcategories because this is a collapse expand thing that she can't see. It's, a, it's accessible. It'll read you level one, level two. Uh, but it's not meaningful to her. Um, here's another situation where you have these icons at the bottom of the page that are links. And, it's, and they're all accessible to her. But then they have like the White House at the bottom of this education at the university thing. I'm trying to figure out why, you know. That's a little random. I mean, we went from the University of Minnesota to the White House. I mean, she doesn't know it's a sponsored link. She thinks it's just another link. Now here, this is a flagship site. This was developed by the Royal National Institute for the Blind. And this woman is an accessibility consultant. Here's uh, a little bit of what it sounds like. Flash movie start j.k.growling official site w.o.m.b.a.t. Student identification card 11 button left parent wizards ordinary magic and basic aptitude test right parent one button student identification code colon three button two button four button six button five button. 7 button 2008 9 button 8 button wizard of the month archive 29 button 14 slash 02 slash 08 number button 0 button December 7th where did the last four months go it feels as though hello and here's what she said and you know what what How would I be hearing these sounds if I'm supposed to be like at her desk mm -hmm. so you're wondering why you're hearing those sounds yeah because it sounds like I'm outside mm. That's an interesting point. Like there's a dog outside and it sounds like there's cars going by or something? Or the wind is blowing? Then we hear the, oh, it's supposed, I suppose you're supposed to be going in because you can sort of hear this doorbell ringing. 
what I'd like you to do is to tell me, from what you can tell on this page, what is J.K. Rowling herself like and what is it like to be J.K. Rowling? Oh, maybe her desk is outside, which I would have had to think very long. Like, how long have we been doing right. this? What led you to believe that this is her desk? Because it says, welcome to my desk, which was specially tidied for your visit right at the top. Doesn't feel like a desk to me. What does it feel like? It, it just feels like a bunch of buttons. I mean, why would you have a mobile phone at your desk? Why indeed? It's interesting, there are no books. Hmm. I mean, I would think that she would have some books on her desk. The bottom line is that it becomes often quite a bit about making the thing work and less about what it is that you're trying to read. What does a messy desk sound like? Doesn't sound like sarcasm. I tidied up my desk for your arrival. Doesn't sound like an apology. I'm sorry I left my desk in disarray. It's not an introduction. Hi, I'm J.K. Rowling, and I have a messy desk. It's not a description. Unfolded gum wrappers appear next to the watch between the newspaper and the diary. Does anyone remember what the URL for this site is? J.K. Rowling's desk.com? Did you say J.K. Rowling's desk? I don't think it's, I think she was saying jkrowling.com. Maybe it sounds the way J.K. Rowling feels working at her desk. Maybe it's not J.K. Rowling's desk at all. Hello, this is J.K. Rowling. My watch says we've been at my desk for five minutes. I'm a bit busy today as usual. So if you'd like to hear more from my diary, you'll have to type N now. Otherwise, I'm going to go on and show you an article I clipped from the Daily News. Maybe it sounds like what it's like to be a busy person like J.K. Rowling. Um, if you're an IA and you can figure out what your site is trying to do, ask users what the, the sighted users what they get out of it and see if that matches up, and you can create an auditory equivalent for that experience, then you really know what you're, what you're achieving. If you can't create an auditory experience as an exercise, then you really don't know what your site is about. Maybe it's not what you, what you thought it was going to be about. Um, or maybe people are getting something different out of it. Um, here's an example from the Hyundai site. OK, well, this, this one is too soft, so I'm going to go on. Um, but it's uh, basically you have these tires, and they're being interviewed. Um, and uh, they're sort of talking in circles about the same topic over and over again. Um, and on a descriptive approach, you say, OK, they're sitting in armchairs, they're staring out at the audience, and they're talking in circles if you were describing it to a blind person. The blind person would say, so they have eyes and mouths? And you say, no, but they're like staring out at the audience. And a blind person says, OK, well, I'm blind, but you know, I would think, from what I know, if you're going to see, you've you got to have eyes. I don't, I don't understand what it is that, that you're talking about. Um, so if instead you try to figure out what it is that they're talking about, maybe the users tell you that it should be the competition's tires, not Hyundai tires, um, you can create an auditory equivalent of the same idea and it, that explains it. Mr. Stonefire, I understand that you're almost as smart as the Hyundai tires. So how is it we've never seen you on television? 
Well, we're both generally busy spinning our wheels. Indeed, on the rare occasions when we're off, we prefer to just sit out on the lawn. And if you look at us, well, no one would say we stop cars. Not that we don't turn a few heads. Twist them a bit even when we skid off the road. But we don't stop cars, no. So the, the tires are saying that they don't stop cars. Uh, they twist, they turn some heads when they, and twist them when they skid off the road, but they don't basically stop cars. So it's conveying the same idea that the visual thing is, but you're not describing it. Um, so you haven't heard about this because um, here's the visual impact of a deaf protest, which blind people don't see. There's not a whole lot of protests often in, in the... Uh, blind community, but um, blind people don't know what they're missing uh, a lot of times. I've heard this. Uh, so, you know, if they don't know what they're missing, they can't complain about it. Um, now, can uh, alt text describe the relationships? Well, first, they might not be the relationships that Eight viewers attend to. Escaping from COVID, Alan made it to Nazi Vienna. In a photograph, St. Stephen's Cathedral towers over the city of Vienna. He started looking for the U.S. consulate. Open because America was still a neutral country. Eight days after escaping from Colbert, Allen made it to Nazi Vienna. In a photograph, St. Stephen's Cathedral towers over the city of Vienna. Okay, the viewers see this old, old Europe look. The blind listener hears, in a photograph, St. Stephen's towers over the city of Vienna. That's a second channel audio description. The woman's voice is telling the blind user on television what it is uh, that's in the picture. But the blind user says, why are they telling me about a photograph? Is, that, is, it, is it a real St. Stephen's? Did St. Stephen's collapse during the war and they're just showing me a photo? They, they, don't, they get a completely different perspective on it. Okay, well, maybe I should find out what the users attend to and just describe that. I mean, I'm a usability guy, I can do that. Well, it's not gonna work because the description changes the experience. If you give item by item audio, it's not a gestalt visual scene that the person, uh, the viewer is, is gonna be seeing. And when you learn about someone else's experience, you're not actually having the user experience. So um, if you got a clue, about something. On the castle wall, metal pipes lead from windows to the roof. With his engineer. Um, and, you know, the blind user wonders, um, you know, why, why are they telling me about these pipes on the wall? That's not part of the story. That's not part of this uh, prison story. I don't care about the pipes. Um, and if, if the describer says, well, uh, it's, it lets you know, it's, it, it gives you an idea of how they're going to escape later on. The blind user says, well, why did you tell me? Now you ruined the suspense. I didn't want to know that. Um, so, you know. He used his helpful. fluent German to hitch a ride part of the way in an SS staff car, nervously sharing the back seat with a senior officer. In a reenactment, the grim-faced officer gazes at the youthful Alan. He used his fluent German to hitch a ride part of the way in an SS staff car, nervously sharing the back seat with a senior officer. In a reenactment, the grim-faced officer gazes at the youthful Alan. Okay, so the viewers see the SS officer might be suspicious. The blind user hears the grim-faced officer gazes at the youthful Alan. He doesn't know what to make of that. Is this a gay Nazi? You know, what is he, why is he doing that? Um, 
So is there any way out of this? That's the question. Yeah, yeah, there's a way out. Um, there's auditory correlates of visual information. For size of image, you can do volume of sound, introducing the image. A desktop background, you can repeat rhythms in the background. You can, uh, for screen real estate, uh, you can uh, describe the topic with a larger pitch range to show it, you know, it's, uh, you know, takes up more space. Um, for visual perspective, you can uh, position something between the left and right speakers. Um, left and right speakers only give you one dimension of space or auditory space. Uh, there's other ways to do it. There, uh, like if you have a three-dimensional site, uh, part of the Hyundai site is movement through, a, through space. And uh, instead of using the continue button or the next button, you can use go deeper to give people that sense. Um, if you wanted to, you could uh, get some speakers um, behind and in front to make two dimensions. You could put uh, speakers above and below, and then you'd have to position the user just right uh, so that uh, they, they hear everything the way you intend. Um, you could, I mean, there's other technologies, binaural headphones, that simulate the experience of 3D uh, by, through delays between the left and right, but they have to buy that. A lot of these technologies, they're basically like braille walls that sort of entomb the user in a mountain of debt because the user has to buy all these things in order to have the experience. So what can we do that's a little less costly for the user? Uh, is it uh, dual stream audio? That's very helpful. Now JAWS, uh, which is a screen reader, lets you play in one voice the text attributes and the other voice the content. And blind users can attend to two voices at the same time. So that's nice, but it's, it's not really necessary. It's not enough. Um, and uh, there's also people talk about synchronized multimedia integration language. You have uh, an audio file that, that people can play, or they have a choice. They can play the screen reader, or they can play an audio file and go back and forth so they can browse quickly, and then they can go to the audio file. Well, that's nice, too. Audio files are very important. But really, just, we just give them what we've got. Just give them what we've got. Basically, here you have this uh, talk going on. It's uh, 30 minutes into a 45-minute talk, and someone's blabbing on. And you know the blind user wants to hear something else. And uh, you, you make a little click sound. It's called an earcon instead of an icon. Blind user goes click through his little microphone and he gets to hear something else. There's a demo of this. It doesn't work very well, but it has a, you know, it's a good idea. Um, so once we have audio hyperlinks, things become very different. Um, here's uh, the Nike site again. And you can see the dancing navigation, the running navigation. It's, it chases the mouse, but then it avoids it. It's skittish. Um, and then when you hit it, they all come together, but they all move by themselves. Here's a sound. More, more free, more free, more free, more free, more free, more free. Here's a grayed out navigation. More free training, running, men's, women's. And you could have a click earcon after training and after running and after men's and women's, and they can go to the areas that they want to listen to.
Um, here's a uh, question. Intro. You have to pause to see the Derek. all the. This is all description of what you're seeing in an intro, which goes by really fast. It's just it just flashes by uh, a sighted user, but for the the uh, blind user, they have to read everything about everything that's going on the page, and it's not the experience at all to read about all these things going on. Instead, Quick, will question it. We test, lift it, build, it, pop. Think about it, think about it. So, Blind user, maybe a little subtle, flip it to pilf, flop it to palf, but they're very audio-oriented, they would get the joke. Um, here's a, an engine that you get to play with on the Hyundai site. And here's what it sounds like. Extremely high compression ratio turns gas and air to power more efficiently. Innovative variable intake system optimizes air intake and boosts torque. So that's a Craner example, so I'll skip over that. Okay, but you say you, you do text sites. You, you said, and I told you accessibility works okay for text sites. Okay, I lied. Um, the standard for people reading aloud is to sound expressive. The standard for machines reading aloud is to sound acceptable. And what happens is you have a very stylized uh, machine that is reading these things to people, and you have to make all the vowels sound the same. So you get the Esperanto accent, um, which is, I am a very expressive computer. I am not a monotone. I can go up and I can go down. And so can my sister. Um, that's basically it. And accessibility people say it's just a way to get to the text. Blind people are too busy to get information, to getting the information to hear it, to listen to it. TV watchers don't expect TV to be three-dimensional or life-size. Blind people can use their imaginations. If I was ever unable to see something, I'd be glad to have something like this. Then they go back into their cards, they put on their GPSs, and this is what they hear. Okay, well, maybe that's just marketing hype. Maybe you just do 508 compliant sites. You don't have a branding bone in your body. Well, the Small Business Administration sounds like the Internal Revenue Service. The U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service sounds like the FBI. Is that what the government really wants? Every agency to sound exactly the same? Test your website. Don't have the users read the text aloud because that's not something people do. They read it in monotones anyway. Find out what they attend to. Record actors expressing the viewer experience for the listeners. And then augment the sighted user experience with a visual that conveys the same thing as what the actors are doing when they read it. You could draw the intonation that the listeners are hearing from the actors. You could describe the intonation. 
like that. Qualification contour consists of a series of two intonation peaks, the first higher than the second in pitch and ends with the low rise. Why not just show it? Just show what, what, what the intonation conveys. Just use visuals to do exactly what the blind people are hearing. I'll have what she's having. You don't want to see what a blind person is hearing. You didn't come here to learn about intonation. You came here to learn about blind people. So you want to have their experience. You don't want to, hear, you don't want to see what they're hearing. Blind people want information, products, services, and learning experiences. Websites do present these. What does accessibility present? Websites. Who cares about websites? Not blind people. Not all the people in Miami outside this hotel. IAs, programmers, designers, usability folks, they care about websites. Accessibility does not provide an equivalent user experience. Accessibility is not intended to achieve the purpose of a website. Accessibility may provide a message that conflicts with the goals of a site. I was going to end with some bullet points. I thought better of it. I was going to end with some things I'm probably not supposed to say. Um, and then I figured, OK, let me think of something. I took a walk. Let, let me think of something nice to say about accessibility. Um, um, Accessibility is a wonderful thing, and so is Gourmet Mushroom Farm, where they give you free boots to go picking mushrooms in. Some people just want the mushrooms. Okay. Question. I think if you have questions, uh, you can come up to the mic. Is that how we're doing it? I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm actually just curious about uh, did companies contact you initially about their accessibility? Is that something you find is a hard sell? Do you have to convince clients to care about this or? Um, to care about accessibility in, on, a, on a website. In terms of uh, like using screen readers and yeah, things like that. Yeah, well, a lot of our clients are, are government agencies, and, those, and they really have a requirement that they do it. So more and more, it's taken several years since the, the requirements came into place, but they're, they're doing more and more of that. Um, the, I guess a lot of our work uh, with private sector and, uh, and nonprofits, uh, we do so much usability work that um, we don't do too much accessibility with them. So we haven't evangelized so much about accessibility. Uh, there were some clients where I think one of our people, was it Dick, was it Amy uh, with Luminos, went and told them about uh, accessibility, gave a presentation, and then they were they realized that all the problems that there were, and then they, they asked for help with that. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you do probably have to go out and talk to the client and uh, maybe not the project manager working with to really make them aware of the issues. Yeah.
Uh, Claude, thank you so much for this presentation. I think the experience really needs to be addressed by all of us in the room um, auditorially. And I'm interested in knowing your experience and maybe anybody in this room's experience in terms of incorporating audio just to navigate interactive websites. So you basically showed us several different um, very interactive websites. For example, the dancing question mark. How, if, if, if a blind user was supposed to drag the mouse to, to catch the question mark, how, what are the yeah. auditory things to know, okay, where is the question mark? Where, right. where is it on the site? Well, yeah, you what? would have to, like, if you had, say, three navigation elements and three audio streams uh, simultaneously, you would, they'd each need to be accompanied by a, some sort of click or something to let the person or, or out of phase sound that, that became a convention that would let people know that this is a link. Um, and, they, and what it would be, it, it would be voice activated. The person would say, you, the person could say something like attend, attend, attend uh, the name of whatever they were hearing and they could attend to that stream and not the other streams. Or the person could say uh, click and they, um, through their microphone, and they would go to uh, whichever of, of the things that they heard. Um, but the, you'd have to clarify that it's linked, just with, like with underlines or bold facing or so, some other convention that you have with the web to let them know that this is something they can interact with. Does that answer your question? Or? I, as far as I, my personal experience doing this, these are, these are just ideas. It's, it's, this is a new thing. So uh, we, most of our contracts, we do traditional accessibility work where we do uh, 508 reviews, um, you know, W3C guidelines, uh, evaluations, and, and some blind t user testing, but we haven't done a whole lot of blind user testing. Well, what I'm trying to say is that it's not just a nice thing to do ethically for blind people, but if you can, if you can imagine what, what would an auditory equivalent, even if you don't hire the actors to do it, but what would it sound like if, if it if it was all auditory, then you have a conceptual understanding of what your site is trying to accomplish and what people are getting out of it, especially if you, if you do user experience testing, not usability testing, but what, what did you learn from this site? How did it make you feel? Those kinds of questions, um, not does it work well? And then if you can translate that, then, um, then you may get better ideas for what you're doing visually. Um, it may clarify, what am I really trying to do visually with my design? Uh, so, I, th I think it has that application as well. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Um, it seems like this has some really good potential within multimedia, for example, interactive tours of, I work at a hospital. Oh. So, I can see that, but when it comes down to implementing this on pages, I just imagine, like, the amount of updates that come through where people go and they change a word mm. and then you start getting the verbal out of sync with the content which is completely unaccessible right unacceptable right. in the accessibility right. world right and so have mm -hmm. you considered the maintenance problem mm. that what you're proposing is presenting no i hadn't considered that at all <laughs> cool. uh, i so maybe it's pie in the sky uh but as i said it's, it's useful as an exercise in understanding what you're trying to accomplish, even if you can't actually implement it. 
And I definitely think that for the interactive things that are going to remain stable, that no one's editing, like a tour of the hospital, it's a great concept. Uh -huh. I just worry about the maintenance because sure. we do. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, well, you'd have to have someone devoted to that full time to update it. Yeah, yeah and voice actors are expensive. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Claude, I don't know if you covered this in yeah. the beginning because I missed uh -huh. the first couple minutes, yeah. but do you have any statistics about the overall number of visually impaired people online? N not, not with me. Uh, there was some, I have some research back at the office that's kind of old on the, the number of people using audio description services, and there may be something on that, but I don't have that. No, yeah. Do you think it would be higher for government sites because actually the government sites are required to be accessible? Well, I would imagine the blind users like anyone else are going to go to the sites that are easiest to use and and they know in the community that they're that the government is doing that. So, I would I would guess, but I don't know. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, Claude. Hey. I really like um, this presentation and it was really interesting. But I was thinking about when I've seen people, observe people using screen readers and uh -huh. how they go into shortcuts a lot of times to just listen to what the links are on the page mm -hmm. or just listen to the headers. Yeah. And so how would that work if, we, if people were doing voiceovers? You know, would, are you saying they would switch in between the screen reader for the navigation and just listening to how, separate how, right how do you how do you browse how quickly how do you yeah. browse quickly well you might you might keep the smil option where they can switch between the screen reader and this other version that's where you have the, the two are synchronized and they can switch back and forth and they could still use the screen reader if they wanted to one thing that this approach doesn't have it doesn't have the equivalent of a mouse pointer uh, right now if if a blind user is tabbing through, they hear parts of a word really quickly or parts of, you know, of, of they're tabbing from a heading to a heading, they hear part of a heading. Um, there's a vis visual equivalent of that with sort of a, a zoomable navigation where you zoom through stuff very quickly. And it's probably a lot easier to do that with the screen reader since, since audit the auditory equivalent, you don't have something like a mouse pointer where you can jump through uh, from one thing to another. So. That might, that's a case where, that, where it works better, probably. Okay. Uh, you talked a lot about um, blindness. I'm wondering if your practice focused at all on other kinds of uh, disabilities, cognitive or motor disabilities. Um, well, we, we have done some work uh, for uh, website disabilityinfo.gov where we uh, did some focus groups with people with other disabilities and uh, cognitive disabilities like attention deficit, uh, people with motor control problems, um, but I haven't thought about how to create an experience that will work for them despite their disability. No, I've just been, th and I haven't even thought in terms of visual impairment where people are using a magnifier and can see, see something. 